Welcome to the Serpent Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. So this week, we are going to start on a two-part lesson on kindness versus truth. And I'm sure all of us have seen the bumper stickers and the yard signs that say kindness is everything. And, you know, it's something that I'm finding increasingly frustrating uh, just at the misrepresentation of what is most important in our lives. But, you know, there are two sides of this argument, really, uh, that I think are important and that we need to look at. And so this week, we're just going to start with the first part, and that is the area of the truth, um, you know, side of the kindness versus truth, because I think this is an area that we as the church are struggling with the most. And part of what has made the uh, philosophy of kindness being all important such an issue in our culture today. So to start off, I want to talk about those two dangerous philosophies. The first of which, as I said, is this idea that kindness is everything. And the secular world is trademarking kindness as this ultimate form of morality. And I believe without a higher power, there's really no other measure of moral conduct than to be kind, right? So the the only measure we have for how right or wrong something may be is how it makes us feel. And this is how feelings have become more relevant in our society oftentimes in truth. As a culture, we are shifting more towards asking, how will this make others feel or how will this make me feel rather than what is right? And then on the flip side of that, there's the problem of truth. And it seems that as a response to the secular world's focus on kindness alone, that many Christians are beginning to focus on truth alone. And that's a problem because it's like we're little congregations of fact checkers going, well, the Bible says that you shouldn't live that way. And that's ridiculous. And what are you doing? And the Bible says that's a sin. It well, okay. But we almost take up a banner of just vomiting truth all over the idiots out there who have been fooled by the devil. Like, it's our duty, after all, because we know what the Bible says, so we'd better post and tweet and tell others how gross they are in the sight of God. Amen. And, you know, both attitudes are destructive, whether it is that worshiping of kindness or just the worshiping of truth, because, you know, ultimately, either one of those perspectives is sacrificing, you know, the product in in the individual's lives over this ideal that we're worshiping. And so this week I'm going to start, like I said, with truth and with the church, because the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.17 that judgment must begin at the house of God. And there are plenty of angles from which to dismantle this argument that kindness is everything. But first I want to look at a painful truth. And that is, the sad thing is that those outside of the church can most of the time differentiate themselves from those in the church by being kind. And how sad is that? I mean, there is an obvious fissure that is growing between believers and unbelievers in the area of kindness. And, you know, that's because we have this concept that we're enforcing of truth without or beyond kindness. And as Christians, it's apparent to us that without truth, kindness doesn't have a lot of value. But truth without kindness is almost as equally useless, at least as applied by humans. I mean, how many people have been truly changed by someone walking up and saying, you're wrong, 
<laughs> we march out blasting people with our super soakers of truth. And when they go running the other direction, we're like, well, we'll just shake the dust off our feet and keep doing the Lord's work. And we've almost got this way of being politely unkind. Often we speak the truth politely, but we still do it in an offensive way because it's at the wrong time or in the wrong situation. I mean, when somebody is already struggling, it's not the best time to say, wow, you really messed up. I mean, gee, thanks for pointing that out. There is a time and a place to offer constructive criticism. But when it comes to the sin of others, that opportunity is far more rare than most of us would probably like. I mean, sure, it feels good to call someone out for living contrary to the word of God, but it's very easy to win the argument and lose the person. And remember that Christ is our example. And there were very few times that Jesus Christ called out people specifically for their sins. And he usually did it to the Pharisees who were beating people down with the law. I mean, clearly truth is extremely important. Don't miss that. It is. But Jesus focused on the sinner and then encouraged them to sin no more. It's a shame when we as Christians focus on the sin and never even get close enough to the sinner to accomplish anything. And I know I need to get into some scripture here, but I want to to turn to John chapter 4, verses 5 through 26. Get off my soapbox for a minute and and open the word of God in, in the story of the woman at the well. Verse 5 begins, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, Askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And as we get started in this passage, I want to make a quick note that please 
This is not a sexist scene where a man is telling a woman to serve me now. Okay, can we just please get past that? I mean, Jesus, first of all, is expressing a great kindness in this time period, in this culture, to this woman by starting a conversation with her. Because rabbis traditionally wouldn't even speak to women in public, oftentimes not even their wives and daughters. And so beyond that, Samaritans were hated by the Jews because Samaritans had been formed uh, when Jews had intermarried with other cultures, and so they were considered even lower than a typical non-Jewish person. And so many of the pious Jews and Pharisees and leaders would actually travel longer, right, uh, longer routes specifically to avoid this area around these lowly Samaritans. And so not only was she a Samaritan, but she seems to be something of a castaway in her own community. Because typically, women went early in the morning to, to get water. She was there in the heat of the day. And they would often go in groups, and she was there alone. So it would seem that she is either shunned or ashamed of her lifestyle to be doing this work at the worst time of day alone. And so, with that out of the way, I want to point out, first of all, how Jesus shared truth with her. And first, he acknowledged her as a person. I mean, how often do we fail to even make contact with sinners that make us uncomfortable? We just avert our eyes and keep on moving. Then he acknowledged that she was able to do something meaningful. He was thirsty and she could help. People are often blessed by feeling needed. Too often, we share the gospel just on the basis of how much someone needs to receive rather than how much someone has to contribute. And also, he engages her curiosity by sharing what he has to give. He led with what she had to give and then followed that up with what he had. And that's the beginning of building a relationship. Like I said, too often we just act like we have a Jesus sandwich. It's like, here, eat this. It'll make you feel better. I mean, trust me, you need it. I mean, only after she begins to express interest in the truth, Jesus begins to explain her need for it. And he begins to contrast her searching for satisfaction with his living water that will never run dry. He compassionately offers his truth to her as a remedy to her sin, not as judgment for it. I mean, he gets to the point of her failed marriages, but that was not the focus. Jesus focused on building a meaningful connection with sinners and let the relationship create the desire to change rather than trying to change a sinner by force of impact. And, you know, that's, that's the whole point of, of whether kindness or truth. It's this mission of preservation. Both kindness and sharing the truth are important acts of love. The point in doing either is to preserve a person that we care about or to preserve their relationship with them. We, we have a responsibility to help those we love to be the best that they can be. And it's so hard to see them struggle and not attempt to guide them in a better direction. I get that. But on the other side, it's also difficult not to be supportive when we see someone struggling because we don't want to damage the relationship, even though they may be going in a bad direction. It's hard to say, hey, stop or, or to, to be, you know, objecting to something that they're obviously caring about, even when we know that it's not a good thing. But the important thing is to exercise truth and kindness for the good of others rather than self. And what I mean by that is that a lot of us struggle with a a form of lazy friendship. Sometimes I think we choose kindness because it's easier than trying to help someone out of a difficult situation. The you do you, man, kind of love that invests very little effort but masquerades as acceptance. You know, sometimes we throw truth at people also because it's easier than investing ourselves emotionally. I mean, I'm guilty of this early on in, in my Christian walk. You know, I was the guy that smiled, Jesus loves you. And maybe that's an okay place to start. And it's better than never speaking of Jesus at all. Sure. Okay. 
but you know, it's so much less meaningful than the approaching and saying, you know, hi, and how are you? Are you okay? It's really just a pleasant way of telling someone to suck it up. You know, smile. Jesus loves you. It's not expressing that you care. It's not expressing that you're there to help. It's just, ah, get over it because, you know, ultimately Jesus loves you. And so, you you know, get over it. <laughs> and so that's the, the, that lazy friendship, whether it is that just choosing to always be pleasant, always be supportive or just the passive. Eh, it's not a big deal. Neither one is helpful in that relationship. Neither one is truly preserving that individual. And so truth finishes what kindness begins. The point is that truth and kindness are both precious and are two sides of the same coin. We can't effectively share either one if we aren't sharing both. Kindness builds the channel through which truth can be delivered. If we fail to share truth, we fail to be kind. True friendship does what is necessary to preserve a friend, as I said, even if it means sharing a difficult truth. Maintaining that comfortable relationship while ignoring the downfall of a friend isn't kindness, it's selfishness. It's easier, by far, to be one or the other. I know that. It's easy to be either the truth guy or the kindness guy. But to be a loving person and an effective witness and a good friend requires us to be both. It stretches us and forces us to constantly learn about others to be effective at both. It's much easier, much easier to check out and just develop our default reactions to the people around us. But truly loving people as Christ loved people forces us to invest more than that. 1 John 3 verses 18 and 19 say, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Amen. Thanks for listening. And until next time, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen.